Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So... I entitled this Failure and Unbelief in the Valley. In the valley. Failure and Unbelief in the Valley. Uh, we'll look at it in three parts. The disciples and the scribes arguing in verses 14 through 19. And in verses 20 through 27, a desperate father's plea. Uh, and then in verses 28 through 29, the disciples seek answers privately. So, the last time we were in Mark, uh, Jesus was transfigured, and we saw his deity uh, be uh, shown uh, to uh, the, the disciples that were there, and, and they heard from the Lord as well. And now what's happening is they're coming back down the mountain. And, and, and when they come down the mountain, they're coming down into a chaotic scene. And it's something for us to remember that you cannot remain on the mountain. We have many mountaintop moments, but we want to stay there, right? Just like Peter, let's put some tents up, let's stay right here. But that's, that's not how it works. The, the, the ministry is done in the valley. That's one of the things that we need to remember about these verses. Now, when Jesus comes down, uh, they're going to find a, uh, the disciples arguing with the scribes. Uh, they're going to have a, a, a father who is distressed and seeking help for his son. And in the midst of all this... It, it, as I read the story, the thing that was seen to be missing is the only thing that Jesus got. He had compassion on the Son as all this chaos was going on. And so uh, the other thing that's very important about this verse is you can't do ministry always the same way. It doesn't work the same way all the time. Sometimes you've got to change it up. That's the reality of it. And, and that's what's happening with the disciples. They were like, hey, we've done this before. How come we can't do it now? They were missing one key ingredient, prayer. Prayer. Some of you have prayer and fasting, depending on your, your uh, translation. Uh, and, and both things that they would have seen Jesus do, but they didn't do it. And so we're, we're going to get into all of that. And just remember, we spent quite a bit of time on, in Daniel chapter 6 talking about the importance of prayer. And, and we're going to spend that time today talking about that as well. Let's look at the first point is the descri- uh, disciples and the scribes are arguing. Uh, in verse 14 it says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd, and around them the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And as we look at the, the parallel in the, uh, in the Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 9, verse 37, we find out that they had come down from the mountain on that, ne- that next day. And so those mountaintop experiences, those are wonderful. And we'll have those. We'll go to a conference, and you'll just be filled. But you've got to come back down the mountain. 
And you got to get ready for the ministry that's waiting on you. That's the fun thing about going to the, the conference on, you know, it's a beautiful thing going to the conference. But you drive back from Houston on Saturday, church is waiting for you on Monday. And the ministry is ready to go, right? And so, uh, but at the same time, we need to remember that uh, these, these moments that we have on the mountain are, are things for us to look back to encourage us when we're struggling in the valley. That's, that's what Peter, when we look at what Peter says at, towards the end of his life in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were witness, eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was born to him by the uh, majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And Peter writes that towards the end of his life. And, and I love that because, you know, when we have those moments in the mountain, it's to, to remind us that, to encourage you to keep pushing in the valley. He looked back on it to go, you know what, I remember what the Lord did, I'm going to keep going. And that's what those things are for. You're not supposed to continue to stay looking back, but keep looking to see what God's going to do as you move forward. And when you need those encouragement, that's when you look back and you go, you know what, I know God will get me through this because he got me through that. And that's what we need to remember. The other thing that's very important is, is as a believer, as a follower of Christ, you've been prepared for good works. And those good works only happen in the valley. Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The thing that we should be doing every day as we get up is asking the Lord, what do you have prepared for me today? That's why we spend time in His Word. You know, that's why we spend time uh, praying. It's like, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? Because I can tell you, the devil has plenty of plans for you. To try to take you off your path. And we need to be careful of that. So as they come down, we see in verse 16 that he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? So the first thing he walks into is the scribes and the disciples arguing. They're, they're going at it. And, and you can imagine the disciples, they can't cast this demon out. And so what do they do? They get upset. They're probably trying to figure it out. The scribes are telling them, see... You don't, you're not supposed to be doing what you were doing. And then they start arguing. But who's watching all of this? The crowd. The crowd is watching Jesus' disciples arguing with the scribes. And, and, and so Jesus, you know, as he says, what are, you, what are you arguing about with them? Like, why are you arguing with them? What are you arguing about? You shouldn't be doing this. And, it, and it's the same point for us as, as Christians. It's like we're called to be the light in a dark world, but you're not called to be arguing with people. If you have something that you think is going to get heated, that should be a private conversation between two people. It shouldn't happen in a crowd. If I think it's going to get elevated, I'm going to tell you, hang on, let me, let's go out here and have that conversation. Because I want to make sure you get heard, but at the same time, I don't want the crowd watching. Because it's not, it's not a good witness for the church. 
In 1 Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know, we're supposed to shine as lights in the world, but unfortunately what happens is we argue. We love arguing now. And, and you know, that's something that, you know, the devil's done very, unfortunately, very well as, as we have all this different information that gets pushed around. We want to argue about every bit of it, right? We do. And honestly, we need to, we need to stay out of it. We need to stay out of it. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, it, it's very easy because I, I can tell you, I know what I saw on TV. I know what was the truth. And that was not it that you're pushing out there. But uh, I don't need to be arguing. I got, I got other things to do. Right? It's easy to do that on social networks, too. It is. I mean, we, we need to be careful. We need to remember our witness. And all. I got reminded of that this morning. I said something that, uh, I, that it was true. It was what was on TV. But, you know, realistically, who, who, who's reading it anyway? Right? And, but it's, that's how quick it can, it can get you. Verse 17 says, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. I love that because that, that father's like, I don't care what y'all are arguing about. I need help from my son. Don't matter what you're arguing about, I need help from my son. And, and that's what he's doing. And he says, And whenever he seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able and I love that. So we see the father, uh, the father had asked the disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, I, the only thing that I kept thinking about when I was reading the scripture is there are people arguing, and this kid is suffering. There was somebody hurting in the crowd, and they were arguing. And that's what I got when, as I was looking at the scripture. I was just like, man. And that, that can be the church at times. We could do that. We can be so busy. And, and, and so we need to be. And that's what my prayer is, even for that, that event on April 2nd. Is that we're not busy, busy. That we're focused on the people that are there. Welcoming them. Checking on them. Praying with them. Something Matt wanted and we were talking about. Me and him had the conversation about is. Having people like, I don't know, I need to have Rick come out here one time. Rick has this, Rick just has this outpouring of love, this guy. I mean, he just, he, that's just, and he's so, he'll talk to anybody. And that's what we want to go up into the crowd. In between the, the songs and the music is, hey, how you doing? Where'd you come from? You know, all that. Make them feel welcomed. Right. And, and that's what we want. We want to make them feel welcome. And, and we don't want to miss the people that's in the crowd. And that's what the disciples were doing. And that's what the religious leaders, the devil's happy because they're arguing because they're missing ministry right in front of them. They're missing it. And it says, uh, you know, one of the things that we need to remember is they actually, they actually, the disciples had had uh, experience with uh, 
with casting out demons, but they failed this time. But we also know that the Father, the Father, if we look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, we know that, that it says, and, that, and when it came the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him. He fell at his knees to Jesus. We also know that he was begging Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 38, it says, Suddenly a man uh, from the multitude cried out, saying, uh, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And so we get a little nugget there that it's his only child. This is his only son. And so you can imagine any of us that have been parents or grandparents or uncles or aunts that are taking care of children or someone who is taking care of a child the the hardest thing in the world is when you're in a hopeless situation and your child is hurting right that's one of the hardest things is to be a mother or a father and and just can't you can't help them whether it's an addiction right it's, 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 you're like, the only thing you can do is fall on your knees to Jesus when they're sick. Right? And that's where this father is at. The other thing it says is that, that stood out to me is it said in verse 18, And whenever he seizes him and throws him down, he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Now that word grind is the same word that, that's used for gnashing or the gnashing of teeth. And I thought about that because, you know, yes, this, this kid is not in hell, but he's living a form of hell on earth. Because it, Jesus tells us in Luke 13, 28, it says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This kid has no control over his body. He's being thrown into fires, thrown into the, the water. This, the, the, the demonic spirit that sent him is trying to kill him. And it's a form of, of hell on earth for him. It's not going to be like hell, because that's going to be a whole different thing. Jesus, we're going to get into that, because Jesus is going to speak on a lot of that stuff as we move further into the book of Mark. But we know that the disciples, they, they, they were arguing about casting out that unclean spirit. And so, one of the things that we do know is they were sent out in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and it says, And he called to him. Uh, his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then we know when they return, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so, the Father says, your disciples can't cast them out. Now, this is something I want to just, we'll, we'll, we'll hit this real quick. Your past success in, in a ministry or in, like, I prayed before for this person, or I did it, and I did it this way, it doesn't work. Like marriage counseling. Marriage counseling don't work the same way every time. A prime example, the couple that was here last, last week didn't work the same. But God, God used it. We had to switch gears. It happens. So when we step out into faith, sometimes what we do it's not going to be done the same way every time. It won't be done the same way every time. But we need to be prepared for the opportunity. The disciples were not prepared for this opportunity. 
That's the biggest thing that I took from this as I was reading as, as hey, your disciples couldn't cast them out. And you think to yourself, well, they saw Jesus go up and pray. Off to himself, away from everybody every morning, right? Were they praying this morning? Probably not. Were they fasting? Probably not. Jesus is up on the mountain. We're on vacation. That's what happens when the pastor goes. Things go haywire sometimes. Pastor's out of town and you're like, man, we can come in a little bit later. Chaos, pure chaos. But it's like in order for ministry, in order for us to be prepared for what God has planned for tomorrow, you need to be prepared today. You get what I'm saying? Like, so if you skip your word today, or you don't pray today, and you got to minister to somebody tomorrow, you're going into that thing blindly, and you're not ready for it. You need to be ready and, and seeking God. Like, uh, for instance, when we had to go pray for somebody who had a demonic, they, they, had been, they had been seeing demonic stuff happening in their house. And played around with some of the stuff. Couldn't sleep. And other people in the house were seeing it. And we had to go minister. This guy only spoke Spanish, so Vic went with us. So Vic translated while I shared the gospel. But you realize we three days before we ever went, we already started praying. We already, we already started praying. When we got to the parking lot, we prayed. And that guy, you know, praise God, he received Christ. And at the end of the day, it's just a, rem a reminder to us that, you know, we have to be prepared for what God is, is planning for us. And, and these disciples were not prepared for this situation. Verse 19 says, And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring, to me, uh, bring him to me. So Jesus answered him. So that word faithless generation means twisted or unbelieving. And, and it doesn't require us to, uh, to see that we're living in a very twisted generation right now. It's, you know, it's no different than the generation, I believe, that in 68, 69. And you had Martin Luther King be killed. You had Robert Kennedy be killed. You had political unrest. You had, you had racial division. You had a sexual revolution happening. But out of that birthed a movement, a revival of Christ. And so I believe what's happening, what's happening now and why these type of events are going on and why churches are willing to work together is because there's a sense of urgency because we are in the last times, so but we are seeing a very twisted generation. We see it. We see a lot of kids that, that have, they, they don't want to believe anything. They'll believe anything that's on TikTok or Instagram, but they won't believe the Word of God because really nobody's shared it with them. They have parents that, you know, are disconnected. And, and unfortunately, just pass the, the phone off and let the child go hide for wherever. I mean, as long as they're not in my hair, they're good. That was, we had outdoors, remember? <laughs> we, what did our parents do with us? Y'all go play. And then you'd eat outside for lunch. And the only time you came in, and if you needed water, you used the hose. If you needed to use the restroom, there's a tree. 
because we lived by the woods. That was, and we stayed outside all the time. But, you know, for us, you know, one of the things that when I read this is it says, oh, faithless generation. Faithless with, with the disciples, they, were, they, they just had a moment, momentary lapse here of faith. They had a momentary lapse of faith because they, they thought that they could cast out this demon. And, uh, you know, they had been with, the, 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 with Jesus for three years and uh, learning from him and, and had given up everything. But they, just, they had just this general expectation that it was just going to, we can just do this. And then they had that momentary lapse where they're going, it didn't work. We tried to cast him out. It didn't work. Well, what did Jesus do? Let's try it this way. Let's do it that way. It's not working. I have a, a little moment of, of, uh, of, of where they, they, they have a slippage in their faith, so to say. But, you know, the, the twisted generation that we're in, we do know that. Um, and, and so one of the things that, that I believe for us, and, and, and even as we look at the disciples, is our faith should be growing continually um we we in order for us to deepen our relationship sometimes we have to go through difficulties and challenges even whether it's ministry or it's marriage or it's family but it's to deepen your relationship with christ what what god is doing now with them not being able to cast out this demon is jesus is going to deepen their relationship because things are going to get really rough as they head into Jerusalem. And, and they're going to need it as they step out for the early church. See, for us, one of the things that we need to remember is, is we have people that, that sit in churches that are faithless. They attend church because they have to attend church. That's what they grew up doing. And then they just do it. And there's no real relationship. They go to church because they want a motivational speech. Right? There are a lot of those churches out there. And, and so, you know, to do verse-by-verse verse teaching is, is different. But at the same time, it's like, I'll take 20 followers of Christ who are faithful and obedient to the Lord, and we can change a generation. Over 200 people that are just sitting in the church, wanting to hear a motivational speech, waiting to be served. Because trust me, when you get to some of them big churches, I'm here to be served. Where's the coffee? You don't have a little cup like that. Where's, the, where's the, the Starbucks in the church? I'm here to be served. And they're not there for the Word of God. They're not there to be encouraged. They're not there to serve within their communities. And, and so for us, one of the things I pray is that we continue to grow uh, because we want to impact this, this generation. Yes, it may be tw twisted and uh, crooked, and unbelieving but the same was the generation in the 60s right it was my dad told me you know he goes he goes son when you were born i thought the world was coming to an end not because i was born but because because it was 1968 and everything was in turmoil and and so you know at the end of the day we just you know we we got to step out in faith as christ let's look at our second point in verse uh, 20, uh, as we look at a desperate father's plea. Uh, and they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy, 
and he fell on the ground and rolled out, uh, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. So we see that that Jesus says, "Bring the boy uh, to me." Right, uh, and 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 I love this because at the end of the day, the, that demonic uh, spirit knows it times it's it's almost over, so it starts throwing the boy around because Jesus is here. And 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 so now you can imagine the disciples are focused on the problem finally, because they're looking at the son. As this is all happening, looking at Jesus. And and it says, and Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, from childhood, from childhood. And so, the now now understand that Jesus knows the answer already. But the crowd doesn't know the answer. The scribes don't know the answers. And neither does the uh, disciples. So they're getting the answer right now. So this has been going on since childhood. Since childhood, he's been worried about whether his son's going to be thrown into a fire and be burned to death. Or thrown into a, a river or lake or some kind of water and be drowned. You can imagine the stress that the family's in. But the question you have to ask yourself, how did the boy get this way? What did they open up in the house? Something got open. Somebody was worshiping a false god, possibly. And, and allowed the demonic spirit right on in. You don't think? People, y'all need to wake up. That stuff is still happening today. You think you can sit and watch things on TV or... or mess around looking at tarot cards and all that stuff and not think that you're not opening some door up. Not only to impact you, but your family. You need to be careful with that stuff. In verse 21, it says, And Jesus asked the Father, He says, How long has this been going on? So we know it's been since childhood. And, and, uh, and, and what I love is the Father is, is just sharing this. And, and just... Confessing what the need is, it's like I. You can imagine he's probably taking this man. Uh, the the man's probably taking this child everywhere, trying to get help. He probably took him to the scribes. He hadn't been able to find help for his son. He takes him to Jesus. Verse twenty-two. It says, "And has often cast him to a fire and to the water to destroy him. But if if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us." Now, we know that the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, but he asks the question, if you can. So he doesn't question Jesus' compassion, but he questions if you can. Right? And Jesus will respond back to him uh, with it right back. But in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then Jesus responds right back to him and says, Jesus said to him, if you can. Right? What? If you can? I was just transfigured. My deity. <laughs> the Father spoke. And I love what he says, all things are possible for one who believes. 
And Jesus responds, if you can. So, uh, you know, the reality is, is this man probably didn't really know Jesus in that personal way. He just heard about him. Heard that he could cast out demons. For us, there's something here that we need to remember. There's a spiritual foundation for us. It says, for, for all things are possible with or, or for God. That means things are possible. Uh, all things are possible because why? God is sovereign. Okay? Now, not all things are purposed by God. Not everything is God's will. And let me explain that to you. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And he says, and, and let's drop down to verse 26, and it says, And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Because he's talking about the rich. And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but, for not, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So he's speaking about salvation. It's, it's impossible for people to earn your salvation. You can't do that. Right? And so it's, it's God's gift to everyone and His purpose for everyone, but not everybody accepts it. Everybody doesn't accept it. Unfortunately, you know. That's the first thing I thought when we were asked to pray for somebody on their deathbed. Did they know Jesus? Because they're already unplugging the machine. You pray that they know him, and and so it's it's important for us. I you know that's one of the things. Uh, you know, death is. You never know. I was, um, my my brother in law was working outside yesterday, and I guess the guy had um, was dehydrated, fell, hit his head, and then started going into shock. And this guy was just at the marriage conference has been dabbling whether or not he wants to follow God or not. And I'm like, God, God's trying to get a hold of you, bro. Because your time here on earth is... And he almost went home because, you know, my brother-in-law was screaming out, you know. Don't, don't you die on me, is what he was yelling out. And, and it's just, it goes to show you how quick they were just putting the fence up. And was it hot yesterday? Not really, right? Not at all. But it just goes to show you, your time on this earth is very limited. The other thing is, is speaking about God's will. And we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, when we see Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. So again, speaking of God's will, all things are possible because he's sovereign. He acknowledges uh, the sovereignty of God, but he also acknowledges the purpose that it's God's decision, not Jesus's. That's why he's saying, you know, if it's possible, if it's possible, God's purpose is, is and this is something for us to remember, God's sovereign, it's God's will, and you don't command God. So all things are possible for God, but it may not be the answer you're expecting because it's not His will for you. And people will take that verse. It's all things possible with God. I'm going to get that house. You know. 
They'll use prosperity. They'll use all that stuff. And it's like, it, it's, you've got to remember it's God's sovereign and it's God's will. If God, if God purposes that for, uh, for you, you know, that's, that's the problem is people forget it's God's will and they think they can command God. And they get upset with God when they don't get what they want, just like a child, right? But they don't understand what's coming in the future. So we need to remember it's, it's, it's God's sovereign ability and, then, and we need to trust His wisdom and His will. That's what faith is. Okay? That's what faith is. Faith is, is simple confidence in God's sovereignty and ability and trusting His wisdom and will. That's how we step out in faith. Faith in faith is not faith. You get that? Because you'll hear people say, well, you just need more faith. No, you need to trust God's will and His sovereignty and His purpose for your life. That's what faith, what, what we have faith in. And, and so we see, we see that all the time. I, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, I'll hear people say, well, you just need more faith. It's like, are you trusting in God's will? Are you trusting in God's sovereignty? No, this is what I want. It, it goes against God's word. Right? Verse 24 says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So I love that by, by him crying out, he says, I believe. He's acknowledging that he's insufficient. He can't, he can't fix us. And as a father, that's a, that's a big thing. Because we're hard-headed. It takes us a little longer to get it. We're, you know, concrete and not with all that stuff. Uh, my wife came to faith before me. I was hard-headed. And, and so at the end of the day, he's, he's crying out, and, and, and he's only turning to the sufficiency of who? God. He's realizing, you're sufficient. I can go to you. And I'm crying out, and I believe, but help my unbelief. And I love this because it's honesty within the prayer, and, and Jesus doesn't correct him. You know, and, and, and I love it. it. It reminds me of David and, um, in Psalm 39, 12. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. As David cries out, I love that, but... The father's crying out too. He's saying, I believe. I believe. We know that when someone cries out that they believe in Christ and they repent of their sins and ask Christ into their heart, they're His. In Romans 10, 13, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we need to remind ourselves, like people can be struggling through faith and, and, it, and one of the things I would share with you is, is, is faith is trusting in God to give you what He desires. Okay? Don't tell them they need more faith. Oh, you need a little more faith. No, you need to trust in God that He's going to give you what God desires. Okay? That's, that's not going to be well received. 
Because when the person's desperate, you know, they all sometimes all you can do is listen and pray with them. But don't tell them you need to have more faith. Right? Don't tell them you need to have more faith. You need you know what you need? You need to be in God's word. You need to be in prayer. You need to be surrounded by other believers. You, you, you need to be seeking God. And I can tell you what will strengthen your faith is those things. Because normally what happens when somebody's struggling with unbelief, they pull away from God's word, they pull away from prayer, they pull away from fellowship, and they can't figure out why things are going the way they're going. How come I'm not hearing from God? It's like you're far away from God. You know, and so we need to remember that. In Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, it says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, tiny little thing, uh, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And it's, it's going to be God's... That's, that goes back to that doubting. Right? That back and forth doubting that happens. If you're asking, trust that God's going to hear you and He'll answer you in His way. Okay? And that's how, that's how you step out in faith and, 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 um, and trust that. I love Jesus' answer in verse 25. He answers with riches of grace here. In verse 25, and, and, and when Jesus saw the crowd came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, and there's a, an I, he goes, Jesus says, I command you, come out of him, and never enter him again. And after crying out the convulsing uh, him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. Now, one of the things that, um, that, that, that we see from that is we see that the 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 unclean spirit the demonic spirit is is throwing the kid around still and and is fighting to try to stay but he knows jesus is commanded now he's done it's over but you need to remember something in revelation 12 12 it says therefore rejoice O heavens and you O uh, who dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Uh, his time is short. His time is limited. And so that's why you see the things that are happening right now. And, and let me tell you, there are people that are demonically possessed because I've seen it. You know, there had somebody that was uh, pulled from the, um, uh, from the border. That was demonically possessed. They be demonically possessed through addiction. What does the enemy want to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wanted to do with this child. And so remember, this is this is Satan's last effort here. You're in the last days, so this is also Satan's last effort to to try to take away your family, to try to break up your marriage. To try to get your son or daughter connected to pornography or addiction or whatever else they can throw at them. And so you need to be mindful of that stuff. You need to, you need to stay focused on God. 
And Jesus says, But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I love that, that, that picture of Jesus reaching down and, and, and extending his hand. Because that's what he did with all of us. He picked us up and, and saved us, right? So Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit, and, and it's by his power and authority. And then the last point we see here, the disciples seek answers privately in verses 28 through 29. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? See, the disciples were struggling trying to figure out what, why they couldn't do this because they had had success in the past. And that's what happens sometimes as we get used to doing ministry in a certain way or we get used to being a Christian for so long, we put it in cruise control. And we just cruise on along, right? And, and, I, and at the end of the day, Jesus is up on the mountain. They put it in cruise control, right? And we'll just keep doing what we've been doing. And things got, things got changed up on them. The enemy came with a different tactic, right? And, and so uh, they had success before in Luke ten seventeen, It says the 72 returned uh, with joy, saying, The Lord, even the demons, are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan falling like, uh, like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So we need to remember that what Jesus is telling the disciples is what's more important is that they know about Jesus, about salvation. That's what's important. That your name's written in the book of life and their name's written in the book of life. That's why you cast them out. Now, some people will use that scripture and they'll say, well, I can cast them out, but they're taking it out of context from the scripture. That particular, uh, that, that was given in the context there were for those 72. Okay? And, and you have people like Kenneth Copeland who will say, I command, you don't command nothing. Because you saw them all do it. I command the COVID of whatever and the spirit come out. And I'm like, that's the devil. It's the devil. You, you're taking the scripture out of context. You can, you can pray. You can ask God to remove it. You're not doing anything. You don't command nothing. But there are people in ministries that do this. And you need to be careful of it. And the problem is, is, is sometimes what people will do is they'll tend to chase signs and wonders and they look for that stuff and people will prey on it. And Kenneth Copeland's made a lot of money over time. He's done, done a, a disservice to, to many. And, and, you know, again, you don't command any, anything. You know, Jesus is the one that if somebody's cured of cancer, it's because of Jesus. It's because of the power of the power of God. It's not because you commanded it out of them. So if you ever go speak to somebody and they have a demonic possession, you don't better. You better not say I command because that demon's going to look at you just like remember Paul. I know. I know Paul. I don't, I don't know you. Right. John 14, 12 says, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in uh, me will also do the works that I do, 
and greater works than these he will do because I am greater than the Father. So what works do we do? Well, we have been called to, to go make disciples by the authority of God. We're supposed to go share the gospel. That's what we do. Right? That's what we're supposed to do. That's a, that's a command that each of us has been given. It says finally in verse 29, and it says, And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some of y'all may have fasting there. Prayer and fasting. So the power is God's. And so uh, one of the things that we need to remember is, is uh, prayer, how important prayer is. Actually, that's one of the things I got to talk to the pastors about Thursday is, is actually taking time to, to maybe meet every Thursday or something just to go start praying for this event leading up to it. And then I, I, I'm going to ask anybody that wants to pray during the event. Because that's important. You think, well, you know, we used to have somebody at our, our church that would actually pray for both services. They would be in another room praying for the service. And, and, and it's important. Prayer is such an important part. The disciples miss this. And, and sometimes we pray, but we pray dispassionately. You get what I'm saying? Like somebody asks you to pray, and you go, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you're not passionate about what you're praying for. You just pray it and you move on. It's like for us, prayer and fasting should be, it should be us seeking answers from God. Like we should be earnestly seeking answers from God. But when we, when we pray dispassionately, we're not really concerned about what we're praying about. Right? And, and so we need to, when we come to God, we need to be, we need to be passionate about knowing that we're coming before the Lord Jesus and we're praying. We're actually asking God to do a mighty, like, Lord, please do a mighty movement. We want to see revival in the county. Right? We want to see revival in the county. Because guess what? The thing that hit me, and I was telling Matt this, because uh, we had me and Matt spent a lot of time this week. <laughs> and you don't never know your relationship with your son until you do ministry with your son. Because we we're very we're very polarizing as far as our ideas and stuff, and so. Um, but one of the things I had told him, I said, "Do you realize, as we're in the Book of Mark, we're seeing Jesus go from village to small city to village to small city before he goes to Jerusalem? And do you realize that it's it it, it can be a revival that starts in Lytle, Natalia, Divine, Somerset, Moore." And then eventually Casterville and into the city of San Antonio. And that's how it, like Jesus went from these little tiny places and then out. And I was like that. I, I was just like, we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying for that because we, you know, at the end of the day, we need to we need to be a, a church of prayer. And so I love this. Uh, the Father cries out, help my unbelief. And, and a couple of things real quick. As we look at the, the portions of Scripture, you have the trans... Uh, when, when Jesus is transfigured on the mountaintop, you see the kingdom of God displayed. And you see the, the glory and, the, and the, um, the deity of Christ revealed as also the Father honors His Son. And... Uh, 
But when we come down into the valley, we see the, the, the healing of the boy. But you see the kingdom of Satan on display. And, and the son that's terribly demon, uh, demonically possessed and a father that's, that's suffering. Uh, but the disciples, you also see the disciples that were arguing and are in defeat. And, and what we learn about the two different events um, is that we learn that in the tra when we see on the mountaintop, we learn a lesson about the future, about the, what's going to happen, the divine power. And what we learn when we're in the valley is we learn a lesson about faith and the purpose of prayer and how important it is. Uh, Jesus should be at the first focus of our day. And, and one of the things that I would, I would tell you is, is uh, I love that verse where he says, he tells the, uh, he tells the, the Father, bring him to me. Okay? We don't fix anybody. You bring them to Jesus. That's what you do. Okay? Somebody's going through something in your family. Somebody's going through something. You bring them to Jesus. That's what we do. And, and be, be busy about prayer, but be passionate and earnest about it. Don't be dispassionate about it. Like if I ask you to pray for me, I, man, I'm needing prayer. I need you to go knock on the like, Lord, my friend's hurting. You know, we need to be passionate about it and earnest about it. So, uh, great piece of scripture this week. Don't be arguing. <laughs> Don't be arguing. If you got to, if, if something seems like it's going to get a little, you know, elevated, pull away from the crowd and, and go talk with them and, and just ask for the Lord to. And sometimes, even that moment of moving. Let, you know lets the peace kind of settle and the spirit to move and so thank you so much that was pastor michael petit from calvary divine texas remember if you need to get more information on the church you can do that at calvarydivine.org god bless